Today is Earth Day, and 30 years ago, my life was fundamentally changed by events leading up to this day. It's episode 392 of the Dan York Report, and as we celebrate this 50th anniversary of Earth Day today, I want to tell a story about how I entered the world of communications, public relations, community organizing, and how it led to where I am now some 30 years later. The year was 1990, although the story really began in 1989. I was a graduate student at the University of New Hampshire, UNH. I was in the Master's of Education program, planning to teach in a high school here in the United States. I was uh, planning to, I wanted to teach computers in a high school. That was what I went to school for. That was what I'd spent four years. I had this whole plan. Now, I was actually studying to teach computer science and German for a complicated reason dealing with the fact that in the U.S. you had to get a teaching certificate in order to be able to go and teach in a public high school. And in the late 1980s, there were no computer science teaching certificates. So the grand plan was I was going to go and get certified to teach German so I could get a German teaching certificate, and then I would go and teach computers. This was the brilliant plan. So anyway, there I was doing student teaching for that year, going uh, at the high school, Timberlane High School in Plastown, New Hampshire, teaching German and computer science. And the year was underway. This was the 89-90 school year. And simultaneously, I was also involved with uh, environmental activism, you know, with that absolute certainty and idealism of youth and the limitless energy. I, you know, I thought I knew it all and I was out there doing all this different stuff. I was very involved with the New Hampshire chapter of the Sierra Club and involved in a bunch of other activities. And I was helping with Earth Day 1990 with the organizing that was happening for New Hampshire Earth Day 1990. Now, stepping back a bit, Earth Day was first in 1970. But then 20 years later, there was a planned for the 20th celebration, Earth Day 1990. There was this massive plan to spread Earth Day celebrations around the rest of the world. In 1970, it had just been in the United States, about 20 million people, uh, the figures say, you know, and all across the, the country in different ways. But And then there had been other Earth Day celebrations along the way, but Earth Day 1990 was designed to push it globally. And so there were activities being organized all around the world and in all the different states of the United States. And in New Hampshire, there was a committee that was organized that was doing this, and I was participating, and there were a whole bunch of other people and those kind of things. And along the way, they decided that they were going to hire uh, an executive director for in, in beginning of 1990, January, going up through the end of, um, well, after the event on April 22nd. I don't remember the exact circumstances. I don't know how much they'd looked around. I don't know anything really about that, but they approached me, some of the people involved with the organization, and said, you know, hey, would would you want to do this? And, you know, I gave it some long thought. It was a huge, huge decision for me because, like I said, I'd spent four years at UNH planning to go and go get a master's of education, go back to Connecticut where I grew up, and and teach and and that was the career I thought I was going to have and you know and and even to the point where I had taken out loans student loans that were tied to going back and teaching for five years in Connecticut at which point they would be forgiven but at the time I had been having some thoughts some questioning around this you know I'd, I'd been struggling with the fact that schools then and still now are dealing with trying to be to provide an education 
but they're also providing a lot of other kinds of social support. In the area where I was, was teaching, you know, there was a lot of just, you know, there's challenges, right? There's families that are, that are in different kinds of states and disarray. There's, uh, there's not as much, you know, community support. There's not uh, ch- support from churches. There's not support from other different institutions that have been there historically. And so, so much of everything came down to schools needing to support the students in ways that I just felt that at the you know, grand age of 21, 22, I was not necessarily in the right space to be able to fully meet the students with the needs they had. So I was really questioning, and I wasn't sure I was ready to do all this. So along comes this offer, and they said, you know, would you do this for, you know, from whatever, the beginning January or February, I don't even know exactly when it started, but from there through April. And I remember thinking a lot about this and saying, well, you know, if I do this, I may never go back and get my master's degree. Who knows where this will take me? And spoiler, I I never did. Uh, so I decided, was I going to take this leap of faith, take this chance? And 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 I I did. I uh, ended my master's education midway through the year. I ended my I was supposed to be doing a year of student teaching. I ended that, and I I took on this role as the executive director for New Hampshire. Earth Day 1990. I entered the world of, you know, community organizing. We were chartered as a group to go and we were trying to get activities happening in the 234 towns and cities that make up New Hampshire. We were working with local organizing committees and and helping them create local uh, activities. We were having them go to town meeting, which is something perhaps unique in New England, but we we're having them put on warrant articles proclaiming April 22nd, 1990 as Earth Day 1990, we were uh, were getting all sorts of things happening all around the state in so many different ways. And at the central point, we were cataloging all of it. We were trying to, you know, help spread the word and do all this. And this is pre-internet in many ways, not internet, pre-web. There was no web around. There was nothing to go and, and do any of this. There was email of sorts, but it was like through services, things like AOL or things like Econet, PeaceNet, some of these other different kinds of services, CompuServe, Genie, the the old information services. Those were the kind of things. The web did not exist yet. You know, it was at the time, 1990, I looked this up today for another article, it was existing as basically a single computer in Switzerland on info.cern.ch because CERN had not yet given out the code that would become web servers and pieces like that. So, you know, we were doing everything through phones, through email, or, you know, postal mail. That was how we, we lived all of that. We did all of those kind of things like that. So it was a crazy different world. But for me, in 1990, this was my first exposure to public relations and communications. You know, I had to do press releases. I gave lots of interviews. I did my first TV interviews, um, you know, sitting in a studio and talking to some host remotely. I, uh, I I probably did radio. I don't, I don't even remember. And of course, without the web, without the memory of this, we don't have a web archive to go back that long and, and look at some of this stuff. You know, I, I discovered then uh, that I I truly loved uh, press press conferences. Uh, you know, we don't do as much of those anymore these days. But in that time, that was certainly one of the things. And so we'd have this press conference up at the Capitol building in, in Concord, New Hampshire, and uh, and we would have all these reporters that were there and, and coming in and. I, I truly loved them. <laughs> there is something perhaps just sick and demented, but, but there is something about the thrill, the adrenaline rush I would get 
of getting these questions from reporters, trying to tear them apart in my brain to figure out what were they really asking? What did they want? How did I pivot from that to provide the answer that I wanted to give back? And how did I do that in a way that was also a good soundbite for whatever they were writing or something else? And, uh, and I, I truly love that because, of course, you have to do that in microseconds. So it was just such an adrenaline, <laughs> adrenaline rush to do those kind of things. And in those days, of course, in the late 80s and, and into the early 90s, New Hampshire was a different state than it is today in the sense that it was, uh, it was very strongly conservative in the, in the press and other things. This was the, the state where it was basically ruled by the Manchester Union leader in terms of the media and the space that was there and the, the conservative uh, opinion pieces and the parts that were there. This is you know, two years later in 1992, George Bush uh, the first was deemed not Republican enough, and, and they almost— you know, Pat Buchanan almost won the New Hampshire primary, presidential primary and things. It was, uh, it was a very conservative space. And so we would, you know, the, the reporters were not friendly to some young guy who stands up there talking about how we should all celebrate Earth Day and here's all the different activities that are happening and all the different kinds of stuff. So hostile audience, I mean, it was great. I, I loved it actually <laughs> in a sick kind of way, but but that was uh, that was all my exposure to this, you know, and, and just all of the communications we had to do, the newsletters, the mailings, the, the things that we had to put out, you know, and 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 this was all new. You know, it was it was amazing to me. We, we had this location. We had a room at uh, Stonyfield Farm Yogurt in Londonderry, New Hampshire, their office that they have there. Gary Hirschberg, who is the was the CEO, he was part of the New Hampshire Earth Day 1990 organizing committee and. He, you know, had given us a room, a room and a phone. Um, and, and as far as I remember, that was kind of what we had there. And that was what we, where we worked out of coordinating activities around the state where we was the organizing committee, but primarily me. And then another, uh, a woman who was employed to work with me, support me, do the kind of thing like that. She is a amazing person who went on to have a incredible career in print and and radio with NPR and many others and things like that. And, you know, I, I guess I think technically she was probably working for me, although in retrospect, it probably, the roles probably would have been, should have been reversed. She probably knew way more than I did. And I haven't spoken to her in many years and maybe I should look her up on that. But I, I still look back in amazement at that, uh, at that time because the, the organizing committee took a pretty huge risk and I appreciate so much that they, that they did and that they believed in me because here I was, a 22-year-old guy, still actually in college and university at the time that they first approached me. I knew very little about public relations, communications, uh, management. You know, I, I don't know how, you know, I, I, I probably, there was, and, and there was no web, right? There was no YouTube. There was no Google. There was no anything you could go and watch some videos or, or look up how to go and do these kind of things. None of that stuff existed in the way that we have it today. Yes, again, there were some online services where you could talk to some of the people and organize this, but it was a very different world. You know, I, I had some great mentors among the organizing committee, and uh, most of it was just figuring it out, you know, as I went along. And, and in the end, um, I mean, we, we did it. It was a, it was a huge amount of work, uh, lots, of, lots of effort, undoubtedly many mistakes along the way too, but we, uh, we had events happening all throughout the state of New Hampshire in 1990. Things going on all over the place. 
some you know large events, small events, things in people's homes, things in parks, libraries, communities, all over the place. It was um, it was just so many different activities and, and things, and and we lit so many fires of activism that would continue for many many years. There were things in New Hampshire that so many different activities and events that came out of that burst of what happened there in 1990 in the space on there. I, somewhat ironically, on the actual day, there wasn't as much for me to do because things were very distributed, decentralized across the 234 towns and cities that make up New Hampshire. And so I think I went to a couple of events and things, but it wasn't, uh, you know, it was just, it was happening all over there. And then, of course, it was done. April 23rd came along and we looked to wind down the activities. And then pretty soon thereafter, uh, I was unemployed. And not only unemployed, but I had decided not to continue with my master's in education. So I really, truly wasn't sure what I could do. Like many college students or, or ex-college students like that, I, I I took a train trip across the country. I bought a cheap Amtrak fare. You know, I'd been paid, but not a huge amount. And I was a student with, with debt and with no job. And I, uh, I visited some friends in California and then came back. And uh, Amtrak had these wonderful tickets where you could pay one price and you could go and stop off at three different places in the in the along the path on your on your ride back don't know if they still do that but it was fun at that time anyway and then when I came back I was I was visiting with some people at an ocean research lab where I'd worked and uh, they said hey you know these people upstairs are looking for some people to go to Greenland to be part of this to help out at this climate change project and so I wound up being a field flunky at a project that was drilling for ice cores up on the top of Greenland and then I came back started up a nonprofit to help teach people locally um, about in New Hampshire nonprofits about computers and technology and internet and things like this. And then I had this opportunity to join a company in Salem, New Hampshire, SRB Consulting, Steve Barry and co. We uh, were teaching people about FrameMaker, electronic publishing software. And that led to training about Unix and Solaris, SunOS, internet training, writing some of the first curriculum about uh, weaving the web and how to go and do these things and courses in Archie and Veronica and Gopher and all this different kinds of stuff. And, and, and that's, the rest of that is history. That, that all happened in 1990, and that set me on the path that, that took me through a number of different places but wound up bringing me here to where I'm at, the Internet Society, some 30 years later. You know, somewhat interestingly, a few years later, I, I kind of scaled back a lot of my environmental activism. I was the fires, the fire of idealism or the fire of the passion there dimmed a bit. I was caught up in a lot of other things new jobs, new roles, this thing, this internet that was expanding in so many different and new ways, the web as it came around and suddenly became this dominant force on the internet and all the different stuff that was there and so many different things. I never lost uh, the interest, but just you know, certainly paused the activism. And then today, of course, we come full circle perhaps, and it's the 50th anniversary of Earth Day. And because of this scourge that we'll call the coronavirus or COVID-19, we are winding up celebrating it all online, bringing about an intersection of two very, very different aspects of my life. I wrote today on the Internet Society's blog, actually, I wrote a post about, you know, on the 50th anniversary of, on the 50th Earth Day, we are using the Internet to change the world. And I wrote in there about how we are using the Internet. We as a society are using it in different ways to connect, to collaborate, communicate, create, we are using it to solve the, the very real problems or to address the very real problems like this coronavirus, like climate change, like things. We are crowdsourcing information. We're 
collaborating, sharing knowledge, sharing ideas, doing so many different things. But I also pointed out that the challenge that we have is that this access, this internet access, this digital, is creating a digital divide. There's 49% of the world or something like that that does not yet have access to this online world. They can't listen to this podcast. They can't see what's going on, on you know, through video calls. They can't work remotely. And some of those people may be in countries of the world where there's limited you know, access and, and areas. There's large parts of Africa. There's parts of Asia, South America, where there just aren't connect connectivity being brought in there. But that same access is also happening in other parts. Even here in Vermont, there are places that I can drive maybe just 15 minutes away from my house where there is no internet access. There's a lot of people in, in the world who do not have access to this, the opportunities that are there. And so in my post, I wrote a little bit about that importance and how we must grow the internet and connect the unconnected if we want to unleash that creativity and ingenuity of everyone, everywhere. Because the next solution for some of these climate change situations, you know, it, it may not be in New York or London or Berlin or something. It may come out of Kigali, Rwanda, or it may come out of, you know, Montevideo, or it may come out of other places. Of course, those are places that have pretty good internet access, but they could come out of different parts of the world that we're not even aware of and that we're not thinking of. It's, it's critical, really, for us to think about how we connect those pieces, how we bring the people online so that there is no digital divide in the way that there certainly is now. Oh, anyway, I get, you can tell I get passionate about this. None of that article I wrote today, none of the place where I, I am today and the things that I've done over this amazing 30 years coming up to now, None of that would have happened without that time with New Hampshire Earth Day 1990. I I give great thanks and a great deal of gratitude to the people who took a risk on me, to those who believed in me and and supported that. I hope that I can continue to live that out through what I do today in helping support, mentor people, take risks on some of the folks that are out there in some way. You know who you are out there, and if you ever hear this, thank you. And I would just say to everyone listening, happy Earth Day. May we use this day to think about how we are all connected. This scourge of the coronavirus has highlighted that in so many ways. We know now that we are are all connected in some way, and what happens to some people somewhere affects the rest of us in different ways. And I hope that, you know, coming out of this, may we think about how we need to work together not just today on this Earth Day, but every day to confront these global challenges that affect all of us. As we said back in 1990, who says you can't change the world? Thanks for listening. would love to hear your comments. You can leave them here at soundcloud.com slash danyork where this is posted or anywhere on social media where you see this. You can find more of my audio and writing at danyork.me. Thanks for listening and bye for now.